Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the VCM Quick Strike for Monday, September 26th, 2022. The Anonymous Collective announced that it was starting a cyber operation against the Iranian government on Tuesday of last week, and then shortly thereafter, cyber attacks were launched. They're saying that the death of Masa Amini, a 22-year-old Kurdish woman at the hands of the morality police, was, quote, the last straw in a video that they posted on social media. Now, Amini fell into a coma while in detention and died three days later on Friday. Now, the authorities, they deny that reports that Amini was a victim of police brutality. She said that she suffered a sudden heart failure. Amini's death has sparked mass protests across Iran with women at the forefront. And you might recall that Anonymous has injected themselves into political movement and activism, or hacktivism in this case, on many occasions. have been around for over a decade. Now, their quote, the Iranian people are not alone. Anonymous will not keep the Iranian government alive on the internet as long as they fight the dictatorial rule and the murderous cops. I find it very interesting how hacktivism gives another outlet for protesting. I'm not saying I agree with that as an outlet for protesting, and I'm not saying that I necessarily disagree. It's just something that is part of the cyber threat environment. So hence the reason for talking about this article. Not not as much political as it is recognizing the threat environment that exists. That political threat can be just as great as other threat as well. Chrome Loader, the malware that exploded onto the scene this year by hijacking browsers to redirect users to pages of ads, is apparently evolving into a more significant threat by deploying malicious payloads that go beyond malvertising, this according to an article from The Register. Now, variants are seen dropping ransomware on Windows PCs and Macs, and this according to a report that's linked in the article from VMware's Carbon Black Managed Detection and Response team. Microsoft has also issued a warning late last week, or the week before, actually, about a click fraud campaign that was likely using Chrome Loader to infect the victim's computers with malware. Now, the thing that's a little bit different here is that this malvertising package is now being used to install other packages on the computer, such as ransomware and spyware. And one that has been seen out there, for example, is the Enigma ransomware. It's been around for several years, but it still is very effective. Keep an eye out for Chrome Loader. From Bank Info Security, Optus under a $1 million extortion threat in the most recent data breach. This happened or was announced on Saturday, where the extortion is demand is to prevent the sale of what the attacker says are up to 11.2 million sensitive customer records. Now, this data breach ranks as one of the country's largest ever, and it is being investigated. The interesting thing here is that an API from Optus customer identity database was exposed to a test network that happened to have internet access. Now, first of all, I'm not really sure why test networks would necessarily have to have internet access, but if you're testing um, real live systems, I could see that being something that would be of relevance. It's just a matter of making sure that you, A, protect it, and B, whenever you use like test, you should never use test um, 
uh, live data on a test system. So not really sure if that was the case or not here. But the data was exfiltrated, quote, from an unauthenticated API. The API didn't require anyone to log in in order to access its functionality. So it sounds like that maybe there might have been a couple of primary control failures here. The first being that something that should have been a test and not exposed to the internet was. So lack of separation of environments there. And second, using an unauthenticated API, probably not the best thing to do in all circumstances, although I would imagine that there probably could be some instances where you would need to, but none are coming to mind right now when it comes to confidential information. High care leaders fallout grows. 543,000 Wolf Clinic patients were added to a breach tally. Now, iCare leaders, or ECL, they uh, had issued some time ago that there were clients that were exposed in a, in a breach, and those clients, the notifications were were released. Some were delayed somewhat, but for Wolf Clinic, its notice came almost four months after the first ECL uh, clients issued similar breach notifications, and ECL is iCare leaders. Now... ECL also lacked apparently the forensic evidence needed to rule out the possibility that personally identifiable information and some protected health information was exposed. For Wolf Clinic, this data could include names, contact information, dates of birth, social security numbers, diagnostic details, and health insurance information. The article goes on to state that it's important to note that the delayed notice about the delayed notice is this is the second slow notification from Wolf Clinic in over, over a ransomware incident with the la, within the last year. Well, actually a little bit more than a year since it says here that the last one was June, 2021. A couple of things here that look like that they fail. If I understand this correctly, Wolf Clinic um, contracted or used eye care leaders and there could be a vendor management issue there. Certainly want to make sure that you're third-party vendors have both the protective controls in place to prevent a breach as much as possible and the detective controls in place to be able to detect if there was data loss. But then internally, using this as a delay tactic for notification, I'm not saying that that's what's happening here, but four months after knowing is not going to sit well with regards to HIPAA. There are very concrete requirements for reporting. And that's why we always emphasize that there should be a playbook in place prior to any sort of an incident so that you know exactly what the triggers are for your response, whatever that response is, including notifications of customers that you know this beforehand and you follow it beforehand. And that way it doesn't get caught up in some gaps or some Um, analysis paralysis. Remember that recent hack against Intercontinental Hotels Group or IHG? Well, apparently it happened just for fun. This according to the BBC. The couple from Vietnam who were the criminals who hacked in, they first tried a ransomware attack and then deleted large amounts of data when they were foiled on the ransomware attack. Now, they also found that they were able to get into the databases thanks to, quote, an easily found and weak password, QWERTY1234. Now, this shows the vindictive side of criminal hackers. In this case, the hackers called themselves TP. 
they notified the world by contacting the BBC on the encrypted messaging application Telegram. They provided screenshots. You might have seen that in previous articles. And they went on to say, and this is a quote, our attack was originally planned to be a ransomware, but the company's IT team kept isolating servers before we had a chance to deploy it. So we thought to have some funny. We did a wiper attack instead. Of course, that wipes out without recovery uh, data. Now, they also seem to show no remorse as far as what they had done and the disruption to the company and the customers. There's a little bit of a disturbing trend, I think, in cybersecurity. I understand that there's always going to be a criminal element and that in that case, cybersecurity is a tool. But are we really doing a good enough job to teach ethics when we teach tactics? I'll have a few more thoughts about that in 30 seconds. I mentioned on Friday that I was recording live from a conference some interviews and discussions with cybersecurity folks at the retreat conference at Montreal College in Western North Carolina. We ended up having six wonderful discussions, which will be released on Wednesdays starting next week. Basically every Wednesday, except for the end of month Wednesdays, where we have a special guest come on and discuss some elements in cybersecurity. One of those discussions was around code of ethics and morality in cybersecurity. And actually how that started is I believe it was in the interview where I was speaking with one of the individuals who's involved with training cybersecurity up and coming professionals through the Carolina Cyber Center, which is connected to Montreal College. And now this conference had a lot of cybersecurity students there as well. And at one point in time, I overheard one of the students say that they had just completed their ethics course in cybersecurity. And the discussion went around that, how important it is for the mission at Montreat. I don't want to reveal too much from the discussion because it's a very fascinating talk about this. But the end result was that the realization that morality in cybersecurity is at least just as important as some of the tactics that are taught. As an industry, are we really focusing too much on tactics, red teaming, blue teaming, penetration testing, threat hunting, without giving some guidelines or some guardrails to how to use these? Because it can be weaponized. It obviously is weaponized. We do some training around other areas whether or not it's ethics or not, but certainly safety, the one that comes to mind or the two that come to mind right off the top of my head uh, would be gun safety. So if you have a firearm, depending upon your locale, you have to undergo some sort of training in order to properly own and use that firearm for obvious reasons and with driving as well too, because it's not just about how to make car go fast and car stop. It's also how to be very safe in doing so. Defensive driving was a big buzzword back when I took my driving test almost 40 years ago, but I'm sure that's the, that's the deal today. Are we doing that in cybersecurity? 
Now, I know the CISSP, you sign ethics and you are beholden to that as part of your certification. But we also say that, well, you don't necessarily need certifications in cybersecurity. You don't necessarily need to have a degree to get into cybersecurity. You do need to have experience. I would submit that ethics should be first and foremost with regards to a cybersecurity career. Well, that's it for this week's Quick Strike. Tomorrow, we've got a great discussion with Cy Sturtevant. He is with Forvis. And then Wednesday, we have the second of our end of month Wednesday specials. And this is with Mark Burnett with LBMC. Hope you can join in for those. And until then, stay secure.